0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thunker Podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and tonight, uh, so far, I am without my loyal and faithful and punctual co-host, Caleb Jenks. So, if you can believe it, the power went out in the whole town of of middle-of-nowhere Texas where Caleb lives. And because of that, he didn't have Uh, his normal office with a computer and an internet connection and all that so he's driving to the next town which if you're in texas in a small town i think the uh the next small town over is like four or five thousand miles away so he's driving to the next closest place he knows of that has an office and a computer and an internet connection and caleb promised that he would Well, I don't think he promised, but he said he wouldn't be ready until, you know, uh, roughly uh, five minutes prior to. Um, And if you can believe it, I am being texted about picking up some straw tomorrow. So I'm going to do that. Okay. So all you have is me. And I expect Caleb to jump in any minute, <clears throat> and uh, we'll 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 go from there. So I want to make sure that everyone joins us next Friday, and the title uh, is "How Does the Old Testament Work with the New Testament?" And I'll tell you what I wish that I was doing that tonight because I'm much more prepared to do that on any given day than I am to uh, talk about what do you. D- do when you know your pastor is dead wrong. So I am going to hopefully get a bunch of folks to help me as far as uh, some comments and some questions. And we're going to see <clears throat> just exactly how well tonight goes. So we're going to jump in here in a second. So it looks like Caleb's right. There is a light in his background that is doing a horrible, horrible job of blinding me and the camera so hopefully he can fix that and as soon as he does i'll bring him right in okay so first i'd like to know has anyone ever been in a church where you knew that your pastor was dead wrong and all of us say of course not pastors much like god are infallible creatures and that is why we elect them to the position Uh, Of running the church And it's so wonderful that they are So uh, welcome Nikki and Darren Glad to have you guys present And hopefully we'll have a bunch more people checking in And I'm going to bring Caleb in here And hopefully Caleb can tell us what we do When we know our pastor is dead wrong Caleb, good evening You are live with us on Bible Thumper
1: (coughs) Good to be here Sorry, I'm late. So,
0: oh, that's okay. You know, it was funny because Caleb called me. I don't know around seven thirty, and he said, uh, "Hey, something happened." Yada yada. Told me the whole internet power going down shtick. And he said, uh, "I'm not going to be ready till like two minutes till go time." And I told him, "Caleb, you don't have to call me every single week to tell me the same thing. I never expect you to be ready until five seconds till we start." So, Caleb, are you ready to jump in? Can you tell everyone at home, what do you do when you know your pastor is dead wrong? And we already have one pastor present. That is my pastor. He uh, just knew we had to show up on time for this one. So, <laughs> so
1: is, that, is that Darren?
0: That's Darren. Darren Crow. Uh, that's, that's my pastor.
1: Hi Darren, good to have you on here. Hopefully by the end of the night, uh, whatever's toes Patrick hasn't stepped on, we'll take care of that tonight. Um, So so it seems like the answer to that. Go ahead. The answer to that question. It seems that the popular thing to do is just throw a big fit, throw a big hissy fit, and uh, storm out and go do your own thing. That seems to be the
0: split the church, split the church, (laughs) split the church.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That too, yeah no it's uh when i I think were you the one that suggested this topic patrick or was i i don't remember i
0: I think you did but honestly it's a good one because you have on the spectrum you'll have you know you'll have pastors all the way across the spectrum where you know well i don't know if i want to Get into it from that direction yet. Um, but I, I think you'll have a lot of people who have been in churches where, you know, they're, they're going to have disagreements, certainly with the leadership in their church. And I think that might be a little bit of where we're going to go tonight as far as, well, what do you do with that? And what's the appropriate right. course of action? And I think we should definitely talk about some inappropriate courses of action because I've been in enough churches to see those happen a lot. And it's really a shame. But um, what what are your what are your first thoughts, Caleb? Because I'm pretty sure that you brought up this one because next week's is definitely my topic. I already introduced. Okay. It. Did you hear about that? No. What 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 is it next week? Uh, how does the, how does the Old Testament uh, work with the New Testament? You just froze. Are you kidding me? You show up late. You barge in here and take over the whole thing, and he's gone. Okay, here we go. So I don't have a co-host. All right. So let me let me just start off by, <coughs> by saying this. Anytime you have a, a disagreement with your pastor, um, the first thing you always want to do with really everybody on earth, certainly everybody in your church and, and certainly your pastor, you always want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. what I want to do is whenever and everyone's been in this scenario or hopefully everyone's been in the scenario where you're sitting in church and you're listening to the pastor give the message and all of a sudden you perk up and you're like, wait a minute, what did he say? And it sounded like something, you know, totally anti-biblical, totally crazy, something out of left field you have to start out by giving your pastor the benefit of the doubt and believing, you know what? I probably misunderstood that. I probably didn't hear that right. And you want to go from there. Now I think that's the way that you're supposed to treat every church member, especially the ones that you don't like. That is the way that you're supposed to do it. Give them the benefit of the doubt that they did not mean to upset you or offend you or say whatever they said in the way that they said it and understand that that, you know, was not their goal. <clears throat> but w- with your pastor, <clears throat> I'm I'm assuming that everything we're talking about tonight is going to be a biblical issue. Okay. I'm not talking about you had to get new carpet in the church and the pastor wanted one color and you wanted the other, and you know, he's dead wrong and, and you just can't believe this, or you decided to, paint the nursery and, you know, and the pastor decided to go with this color instead of that. And he put, you know, giraffes and a jungle scene on the wall when, you know, uh, y- you really wanted, <clears throat> you know, Noah's Ark. So uh, I'm believing that from my understanding with this topic is that anything that we're talking about, as far as a disagreement, it comes down to a disagreement about what the Bible says. Um, <clears throat> Caleb, any thoughts? My, my first point was, Give them the benefit of the doubt. Any church member, any anyone in church leadership, <clears throat> when you think that they said something out of left field, something that was crazy, give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, don't start off assuming that <clears throat> you heard it correctly. Give them the chance to, you know, uh, make that clear. Uh, don't jump to conclusions. Right. Yeah, no, I think
1: I think that is important to note that the title of uh, this topic is not what to do when you disagree with your pastor or when you mm-hmm. think your pastor is wrong about something, but it's once you come to the conclusion that your pastor is dead wrong on something. And obviously, um, there's a lot of a lot of really good pastors out there that are going to be wrong on certain issues at some time, um, and that's okay. Just because you find one thing that your pastor is wrong about. Uh, that just means that you're doing your homework and you're reading your Bible. And I think this should be very clear that it's not talking about what to do when you don't like your pastor, what he says, uh, <laughs> what he's doing, or that you disagree with him on something. This is when he's wrong about a biblical issue, the way that the Bible actually lays it out that it's supposed to work. So I, <clears throat> I guess um, <laughs> if anybody's ever gone to church and you're not just a sheep, You don't just follow along there's going to be Mm -hmm. you probably can't go two or three sundays before you find somebody that says something wrong in church i mean if i open my big mouth and i talk um later that day i'm always like man why did i say that that was so dumb (laughs) you know we all say stupid
0: things we're not perfect and caleb that's a very good point you and i talk for roughly you know 30 minutes each once a week publicly and then it's on youtube and it's on a podcast and when i've gone back and listened to you and i i've thought to myself what on earth was patrick talking about there it's like that's not what i meant but what i said was different from what i meant and and it just got confused between my brain and my tongue and you got to understand that anyone that is in front of people a couple hours a week talking to them on a regular basis you know there's going to be mistakes made that they didn't intend and and i've even had that where someone confronted me. And they're like, yeah, uh, what was this about? And I'm like, I didn't say that. They're like, yeah, you did. I was like, well, then I was wrong because that's not what I believe. You know, so there's oftentimes just a silly misunderstanding. And uh, like I said, you always want to give someone that benefit of the doubt. Okay. So now let's say that there is a disagreement on something that you find in the Bible and you believe it is serious enough where it concerns you we're not just talking about there are plenty of issues where i could i could bring them up and caleb and i bring them up all the time where caleb and i disagree we both have some bible verses that we can show you which supports the view that we hold obviously one of us is wrong or both of us and you know I'm not sure which way you're gonna land on it. And we always suggest you do your own homework and read the Bible. So we're not talking about something like that, okay? We're talking about something where you're really concerned and it is a situation where a belief is different enough where um, you want to investigate more. Okay, Caleb, how do you go about it? What do you do?
1: So assuming, yeah, assuming that what you're you're referring here is um and is my, is my audio okay on your end is it coming it sounds through? Sounds right?
0: crystal clear. Okay. Yeah, crystal. better all than right. before.
1: Okay, I have a bit of a buzz but hopefully that's not coming through on the podcast. Nope. Um so like like we both mentioned before you always should assume somebody is innocent until proven guilty especially in the church you have to give people the benefit of the doubt assume that if your pastor is in there if he's gone through the effort of going through seminary or wherever he's at, that he's come to the conclusion that it's God's calling on his life to be a pastor, he must love God and love the church enough that he's willing to dedicate his life. And that's a major sacrifice. So to get that out of the way first, no matter who your pastor is, you should always treat them with grace and respect and, uh, and assume that unless, unless that's proven in an extreme case where they're a wolf in sheep's clothing and they're, or a false prophet, that type of a thing, where it's really proven that they're a uh, a bad pastor or they're, you know, they have ill intentions. Um, I'm not, I I don't think we're here to talk about those type of guys today. We're talking about somebody that's actually in there for the right reasons. They're trying to do the right thing and they're just wrong on something. And so I would say that first you have to decide where where you're going to define. There are some issues that we are going to disagree on that are not going to be real black and white issues. They're not going to be final issues as far as um, breaking fellowship with somebody because we disagree on some little area of doctrine. Since You you have something to say. Go ahead and jump in.
0: Well, I just wanted to make, just add to your point, which is uh, if we believe that our pastor loves God, believes the Bible and loves the people in the church, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about these guys and we have a disagreement. Right. I mean, this is this is a situation where it's a person that that you love and that, you know, loves you. Okay, you know that they love you. And and this is what we're this is what we're approaching. We're not we're not talking about the pastor with the iron fist, you know, that rules with a rod of iron and is you know, difficult and, and stubborn and defensive and, you know, wants his way or the highway kind of thing. We're talking about someone that, you know, loves you and, you know, loves Jesus and, you know, loves the Bible. Uh, when you have someone like that, you know, I, I think that's what, what we're talking about.
1: All right. So I just got a sound check here from from my pastor. He says it's good. So my audio is going to oh, be good.
0: Okay, great. <laughs> so oh, we have which... at least three pastors here on with us tonight. <laughs>
1: The funny thing is, is that tonight the power went out in the whole town of Rosebud where I live. And so I had to c- figure out some other place that there would be power because otherwise it's going to be dark. It's hard to see. I already told the story.
0: I told so, everyone that the small town of Rosebud lost its power. And in, in Texas, you have to drive something like three, four thousand <laughs> miles to the next town where you can.
1: So I'm sitting in the the pastor of our church owns a business and I'm sitting in his office because he has electricity over here. So, I'll have to be I'll have to be extra easy on him tonight since since I'm borrowing his Wi-Fi. Actually, the Wi-Fi is what killed it a minute ago, so I'm off the Wi-Fi now. So I'll uh, it's a little a little less. I I owe him a little bit less <laughs> in this situation. Anyways, um, so if you're pastor and and many pastors are going to be anywhere on this range between where Patrick just mentioned the guys that rule with an iron fist and those that are going to be more open, uh, humble, and that type of thing. So assuming that your pastor is there for the right reasons, he, he loves God. He loves you. Um, there is, this is something that's very, very interesting that when you study the Bible about how this is supposed to be handled. So let's say you go to church on Sunday, the pastor has everybody wound up. It's a really good sermon. He's, um, he's kind of on a spiritual high and he gets to go in and everybody's cheering him on. Amen. And all of a sudden he just kind of goes off and you're like, wait, where did that come? That just came out a lot left field. I don't think that's in the Bible and it sets wrong with you. Uh, So, so then you go home and you open your Bible and sure enough, you can't find it in there. Something just seems off about it. So what do you do at that point? So that's, that's kind of, I think what we're talking about here, it's, it's something that we're all going to run across in the church. So what do you do at that point? And, the Bible actually has a clear path laid out for how we're supposed to deal with this. Um, but we are supposed to be checking what is preached. doesn't matter who it is. If it's your pastor, if it's your neighbor, we're supposed to be checking it against the word of God. If we believe that God's word is infallible, that God doesn't change, then his word isn't going to say something. And then he's not, it's not going to reveal something to somebody that's different than his word. So when we go home and check it against the word of God, we find, Hey, this is, this goes against the Bible. It's wrong. And we're concerned about it. There's two different w- ways we can go with it. We can either get mad leave the church get bitter not talk to the pastor ever again we could do that or we can just sit there blindly not say anything and continue to go to church and this bugs us and eventually maybe it builds up and eventually we end up um, led astray by it or somebody else gets led astray it's it's not a it's not a good thing to see this kind of thing happen and not say anything. And it's, and this is an uncomfortable situation to be in because you love your pastor. You don't want to, maybe you're going to, you want to work your way up the chain in your church. And, and most churches, you know, if you're loyal to the loyal to the church leadership, you know, you're going to work your way up the ladder and, and eventually maybe you'll be, you know, somebody in the church. So, and, and of course it shouldn't really be that way, but that is the way it works oftentimes in a hierarchy. So what do you do? And, Actually, the Bible says not to go directly to the pastor, which this is a really strange thing. But if you have an accusation against an elder, you're supposed to not, um, you're supposed to only take it to the to pastor if it's established by two or three people. If we look in uh, 1 Timothy 5.19, and... And so I'm going to actually have to work through this a little bit in my mind as we go through this tonight, because this puts you in a really bad position. Normally, if you have an accusation against somebody, you're supposed to go directly to them and you're supposed to talk it over with them. And so this is, I don't know, hopefully, Patrick, you have some input on this. I don't know for sure how this works out. But if I just come up with the fact that I think the pastor's wrong on something and I go to him, he could be inundated with. 100 people coming to every week and saying, oh, you're wrong about this. You're wrong about that. You're wrong about this. You're wrong Mm -hmm. about that. So if I go to another brother and I say, hey, this, I'm not sure about this. And he's like, you know, I was concerned about the same thing. All right. Then you got a reason to say, let's go and talk to the pastor. That doesn't mean you go and talk to the whole church and you gossip about the pastor Mm -hmm. and you start coming up with an uprising. But it says, um. Uh, in, K- in King James Version, it says against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. So sometimes you're going to hear the pastor say something wrong and you don't need to say anything about it. There's nothing, nothing wrong with it. Pastors are human. They're going to say things that maybe go against the Bible now and then. And you don't have to bring it up every time. But if you feel concerned about it enough, it seems that if if you're if you have an accusation against an elder in the church, and this would go for the pastor as well. That you're not supposed to take it directly to them every time that you have some little quibble with what they said. It's only supposed to be if there's two or three people that are concerned in the church that at that point it goes to the pastor. So this is a really delicate position where God seems to be putting people in the in the church in a position of trusting them to hold their, the pastors and the elders accountable in their church. Um, but not to just trouble them with every little problem they come up with if 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 there 's not two or three people that are concerned, maybe you just keep it to yourself and you don't you don't go to the pastor That's, That seems to be what I see here um, and and you tell me i guess uh, patrick what's your what 's your thoughts on that Because that is a very unique situation that the Bible
0: lays out here okay, well, first of all, I can tell you that i 've never been in a church in my life where i didn 't disagree with the pastor on several dozen things that doesn't mean anything that has that that has no bearing on anything because what i believe doesn't mean anything it comes down to what the bible says and there are some things that are not easy to figure out there are some things that i've never even looked into so there are so many times where it's like Hey, you know, I disagree. I believe this, they believe that. And I look at a lot of times when I go to church, it is like a, uh, it's like when I go to the Golden Corral. Okay. I'm going to go there and I'm going to look for something that I like that's going to help me. There's going to be plenty of things that are up there that I'm like, eh, I'm not sure. That's fine. That might have been for somebody else. For me, I got to decide, am I willing to die on this hill? He and I disagree on something. Big deal. Okay. Is it a big deal? Or is it okay, great? You know, we don't see eye to eye on something. We're not all supposed to. Uh, I think when everyone is forced to see eye to eye on every issue, that's a very unhealthy place to be. That is a bad church. Okay, we're supposed to be able to uh, disagree on things. So for me, I'm going to bring up, you know, to the pastor very, very little. What I found the most effective way to get through to people is to start with praying. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to change my heart if I need it. I'm going to ask God to change my pastor's heart if he needs it. I'm going to ask God to change both of our hearts if we both need it. And then I'm going to give God some time. I'm not going to hear something Sunday morning, pray about it, you know, at lunch and already have a meeting scheduled with the pastor for Sunday night, you know, to get into it with him. For me, I want to give God some time. Maybe the problem is with me. It's not with my pastor. And I need to let God work on me and my heart okay, for a little while before I'm even going to you know, approach the subject. Now, this is different than, let's say, if I'm looking for a church. Because let's face it, when I'm looking for a church, that's when I do want to meet with the pastor. And I want to meet with the pastor with a big, long list of questions. And let's get these things out of the way. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? Go down the list. And, and I, when I look for a church, that's what I do. I interview the pastors and I get into it. It's like, I need, I want to know right now how you feel about these things. So one day when it comes up, when I'm sitting in the pews, it's not a problem because I already know, you know, how you feel about it. After that, if I need to I have no problem asking my pastor, Hey, can I take you out to lunch? Can I get together with you sometime here or there? And can we chat about something and give them the heads up? I heard something in one of your messages. It just rubbed me wrong. I want to see if maybe I misunderstood or, you know, or at least you could, you know, explain it a little better because I just totally didn't understand this. And, you know, and, and I just want to wrap my mind around it and schedule a time again, you know, we all need to have a little bit of tact. So I'm going to do this one on one. It's going to be in private. You know, I'm not going to do it. Um, Scott Link made a comment. I don't know if you saw it earlier where he was done with a message. And while everyone's walking out of the church and he's standing in the back shaking hands and saying goodbye to everyone, a guy stops in front of him and starts Uh, telling him how he was wrong about everything that he just preached and all the reasons why. And he's like, I'm just trying to say goodbye to everyone as they get in their car. You know, like, can we maybe do this in 20 minutes?
1: That is a really, really good point because what do you, uh, how many times have you been in a message at church Mm -hmm. and you're just roll your eyes and you're like, Oh man, here they go again. You know, Um. one of the things that really, really gets to me, and this is just uh-huh. me and different people are going to get different things out of it. So I've been in church services with people where somebody came to me afterward and they're like really bothered. That the pastor said something. And I was like, Shh, whatever, like, uh-huh. what, what? you know, what is that? You know, somebody said something about uh, people that were fat in church or whatever. And I'm like, OK, uh-huh. big deal. Of course, maybe if I was overweight, it would be different. But hey, um, you know, I pers- need to
0: hear that every so often, Caleb. OK, us <laughs> chubby guys in the fuse. We need it too, man. Let it fly. Sometimes it, it needs to fall in my lap go ahead
1: so anyways there's things that step on our toes, but when when you have when you are sitting there in church and you have some little some little thing that you where the Bible says that we're all wise in our own eyes and it's very easy for us to think oh I could have said that better or I could have said that different and so if we immediately confront the pastor immediately afterward um, where it's really foolish in a lot of ways for us to discourage somebody the bible says "In if you go r- just back beyond behind that uh verse where i was just talking about as far as receiving an accusation against an elder in, in verse 19 yeah first timothy five seventeen says let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in the word and doctrine for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn and the laborer is worthy of his reward against an elder receive not an accusation but before two or three witnesses and then it says them that sin rebuke before all that others may fear. So here we have a situation where it says to give them double honor. And we really do need to be gracious. There's a lot of pastors that deal with uh, emotional breakdown and they deal with, um, you know, I've heard of guys that, that burned out, just had, a, you know, burnout and they their family suffers for it. Suicide. Suicidal thoughts, things like that, where guys just dealt with so much church drama that eventually they get burned out and uh, it's not good. So we do need to give them, I think, give them grace, but give them, it says to give them that they're worthy of double honor. I think we should give them even more of a second chance than we would just another lay member. And oftentimes we're twice as critical of the pastor as we are of other people. So if you're sitting there in church and you hear something like this, it's a disagreement, but you remember, Hey, I'm not supposed to just go. And I, I think we, things can come up in conversation where we sit down and we talk with the pastor and we might be able to talk over differences that we disagree with. That's not accusing the pastor or something. It's not taking an accusation of saying you're wrong. It's when we really feel like that the pastor is leading the church astray. He's not preaching the, the truth of the word of God. And we decide that we are bringing this accusation of the fact that he's really wrong about something at that point. We can jump to that conclusion. We can throw a bunch of gas on the fire and we can make it a big problem. Or if we go to a brother and, and we and we run it by them and they say, you know what, I was concerned about the same thing. Or maybe they say, you know what, I, I think that you're mis- mistaken. It's a misunderstanding, whatever. And we can just humble ourselves. It says to submit one to another. And we should certainly be willing. If we're going to submit one to another, we should certainly be willing to submit to our pastors, even when they're wrong. And your pastor doesn't have to be right on everything in order for you to go to church there and receive ministry from the pastor. If your pastor Amen. if your pastor is right about absolutely everything, then your pastor is Jesus. And in the meantime, between now and when, when we are um, sitting around at the feet of Jesus, we have to deal with imperfect church leaders. Everybody, it doesn't matter how inspired they are, how well-read they are, they're going to make mistakes at times. But when they're wrong, do we just... Sit, them, sit there and watch them be the blind leading the blind? Do we, do we sit there and watch them lead the flock over the edge of the cliff? Or do we say something? So to me, I see this as it says to, to take two or three with you. And this is similar to other things in the church where if a brother sins against you, you're supposed to go directly to him. Then if he won't listen, you take another brother with him and it escalates from there. But with a pastor, you're not supposed to just go straight to him. And this is I think twofold, and this is going to this is a little bit painful if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, but I think that this introduces an extra layer of accountability into the church, where if somebody comes to you and you realize, it's, it doesn't say five or six or ten or fifteen, it says two or three, that it should be established. So if you if you go to another brother or two. And no more beyond that. If you go beyond that, I think it just turns into gossip and trying to cause division in the church because then you, you cause a church split or you cause all kinds of problems. If, if two or three brothers are in agreement that there's a problem, you go to the pastor, this gives him an opportunity to be submitted to the brethren in the church as well, where he says, you know what, I'm gonna pray about this. And, the, and he has two choices at this point. He can become defensive or he can say, I'll at least consider it and pray about it. And you can sit down and talk before it becomes a split or a schism in the church. And it, I think that it should be kept quiet. It's not like you should go around and talk to everybody in the church about it. I think that that becomes heresy. You're, you're starting to sow division in the church and it, it can be, become a problem. So I rarely have ever seen this carried out in a scriptural way. And it's it's actually really alarming to see how many times that I've seen problems in churches where the pastors went about it wrong or the lay members went about it wrong. And some heavy handed churches will even say, you cannot, if you're, if you have a concern about a brother in the church uh, against the, uh, or the elders, you cannot actually talk to the other members of the church. You can only talk to the pastors of the church. You can only talk to the ministers. But then if you, if you come to the minister, then you're receiving an accusation against an elder because you're kind of this one-off guy that's just off in left field and has this grudge or this bitterness and so it seems to me that it's necessary for those leaders to have the attention of two or three brothers coming to them and saying we're concerned about this we have this concern we're bring it to you and so it's um and i'm i'm not sure if this i don't know how many of the the elders in the church this applies to it's kind of weird like in our church right now we don't really have an elder board so technically the, we have the pastor the lead pastor and then there's other brothers in the church that so we make decisions jointly and different church have different um functions but i think that anybody that's making decisions or leading out in a church that could possibly lead the church astray should be held accountable to the congregation where they should have the openness that if somebody has a problem with them you can bring two or three brothers with you and if you are in agreement that this is an issue the pastor should have the humility to sit down and listen and not just cut you off so have you i was gonna i was wondering pastor or patrick pastor (laughs) pastor patrick craigslist pastor (laughs) You said last year we were your average Craigslist preacher. When I applied to, to, uh, to run an ad on Craigslist, they said I didn't have the necessary credentials to be a Craigslist pastor. <laughs> mm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, have you, have you ever had an interaction like this where you've challenged a pastor in a church on something that you believed they were wrong in, and how did it go?
0: Um... Okay, I can think of a, I can think of a couple of times where uh, there were issues and we disagreed and and it did not go well. Um, I can't. I'll tell you what. I and I think this is going to be the case with the majority of of people. Christians across the board, whether they're pastors or just another brother in Christ, and we're not dealing with what do you do when you have ought against a brother, you know, and go through Matthew eighteen and the and the situation there. We're, we're talking specifically about doctrinal disagreements with a pastor, but I think people in general are going to typically get defensive when you know they're challenged with anything, which is a shame. <clears throat> Mostly, what I do, as I said before. And I think the safest bet is to start off by praying and asking God to uh, intervene, you know, and make the change. The Bible talks about that as far as wives with your husbands. You can deal with it head on or you can go to God through prayer and supplication and ask God to turn the heart of your husband in the proper direction. And my wife can attest that that works and it's worked time and time and time again. And when she deals with me head on, uh, it doesn't work as smoothly. And lo and behold, the Bible's right again. You know, so I usually do the same thing along with that. There's not a whole lot that I can disagree on that would be a problem that like we said, okay, I, I disagree with. Uh, the, the fellow that does the Sunday school class that I uh, attend. Um, I disagree with my pastor. I disagree with uh, people in the Bible study that I attend on Wednesday nights. Uh, I disagree with people that attend my Bible study that I teach. I disagree with people that, you know, deal with us here. Give me an example of something that is a problem where I need to get into it. And, and let me ask you this as well, okay? Because I think before you even go to your pastor, you need to have it in your head. What's your goal? What do you find to be an acceptable outcome to the conversation you're about to start? Because if the only acceptable outcome is that they turn and start believing the way you do, you might really be disappointed. At the end of the day, all I can really do is bring a point up and, you know, lay it at his feet and explain my stance and tell him I'm here in a uh, spirit of kindness and love. And then it's between him and God. Because I think far too many people, the they start out complaining to their Sunday school teacher, to their pastor, to the guy that facilitates the Bible study, to whoever. They start out with the idea that the only acceptable outcome is if I can change this guy's Uh, Belief and change it to mine. Well, that's just stupid. If you, I mean, that is not Chapter One, you know, of a Dale Carnegie course. Okay, that is not how to win friends and influence people. That is ridiculous. That's childish. That is little kid, immature, six-year-old stuff. That's the only acceptable outcome for immature children. Okay, I'm talking to an adult. All I can do is say, look, this is, this is why I think this issue is important. That's the only reason I'm bringing it to you is because this is one that I think is is important for these reasons. This is the Bible that, you know, has caused me to go in this direction and believe this. Would you please prayerfully consider it and just look into it? And if you think I'm wrong and I'm crazy... Uh, You know, forgive me. Um, I only bring it up because I I do feel like it's appropriate and I have God's blessing to talk to you about it. And I believe that, you know, you'll take this well and, you know, consider it. And that's it. It's over. That's the end of it. If it's that big of a problem, you can always find another church or you can go start your own. I don't recommend doing those until it's something really really bad i don't think most disagreements okay if there's a doctrinal difference between you and your pastor that is going to cause you to leave the church it is your fault for not figuring out what your pastor believes before you started going there it's not his fault for believing what he believes you had every right to sit down with him over breakfast and ask him questions and figure out what he believes. And if you didn't do that, shame on you. It is not his fault for that. Okay. The only time I have ever you know, left a church was because I was treated poorly. I was abused in a, in a, in a way that I shouldn't have been. It was confronted. It was not dealt with. And that was unacceptable to me. And I didn't want my family and my kids, and my wife or I to have to be in a church like that. As far as doctrinal differences, you should already know. You should you should have your 10 beliefs that you cannot live without. Ask your pastor before you start going to church there. It shouldn't come up as a surprise like, oh, wait a minute. What does he believe? Sorry. You know, there there was nothing stopping you from asking these questions ahead of time. I don't know if that so, works.
1: Anymore. Well, I, I agree. But in the defense of the poor person that foolishly got in with the wrong group and now they decide they don't fit in anymore. Sure. I will say that these days there are uh, churches that have very clear denominational beliefs that they fall into a clear denomination. Mm-hmm. And they have, they have, very hardline views on certain doctrine and they have been rebranded as, you know, whatever, uh, grace, grace fellowship or, you know, whatever, every, every church has its, has its new name. And so there's, and there are some of them that actually are pretty good at masking their doctrinal beliefs and being very welcoming until you get in. And once you get sucked in, then they start unloading on you. So it can be, sometimes it can be a bit challenging if you are, yeah. So, so anyway, in, in the defense of somebody that finds themselves in this place, um, it, it can happen. And then also churches can change over time. But I do agree like what you said. And that's
0: you a different sh- story. If the, if the right. church is changing from what they who they are, that's totally different. Then, OK, that was a surprise. But you should right. be able to find out, well, what are your distinctives? OK, first of all, give me your doctrinal statement. I know you got it typed out somewhere. Okay, and I'm sure it's as short and as bland and as unimpressive as every other one that I ever read. It's as general as possible to make sure that everyone's okay with it. Okay, so now tell me what are the top ten things that are distinctives that will cause me to not want to go here? You can ask your pastor that, or the you right. know, when you're interviewing pastors before you start going to churches. And I'll tell you what, if they don't like that question, don't go there.
1: Right. right. So Yeah, exactly. So I would say that there's, um, there's a lot of issues that you could have a lot of grace with. And I, I have told my wife this for years, I would way rather have my family in a church where I disagree with 90% of the people. On plenty of of issues, and yet that they have my back as a church to trust my walk with God, and my children can grow up in a in a church where they can actually have their convictions convictions of their own, and the and the church isn't going to turn them all into cookie cutter Christians where they have to all believe the same way, um, do as I say or else type of a thing, because then it it gives you the freedom and the the wherewithal to actually be able to look into God's Word, pray through, and actually have your own conviction on what it is that you believe, and so. I'm sort of asking for this trouble where I'm going to be in a, in a situation where there's people I disagree with. Um, I could go and find a church where everybody believes the same. And there's plenty of them out there where everybody Mm -hmm. believes exactly the same thing. And as long as you're willing to submit and um, subscribe to their viewpoint, then everything's going to be hunky dory. And there's plenty of people that want that.
0: And Those churches are usually surrounded by three feet of razor wire. (laughs) In the middle of the desert in Nevada,
1: a lot, a lot of them are getting smarter than that. That's a little too obvious. <laughs> Anyways, so I think that we've we've kind of mentioned there's there's kind of a, a decent way to go about it. You you should go about it in humility. You should um, take another brother with you, or not necessarily even take another brother with you, but you should you should make sure that there's two or three witnesses that agree with this. And at that point, um, and this has only happened to me a few different times. And, um, in the, in the years that I've been going to church where I had a a Mm -hmm. deep enough concern that I felt like I needed to, um, talk to the pastor about it. And I actually, it happened once at my current church. Uh, My pastor is, um, watching this now, so he would probably recollect and nobody else in the church would probably be aware of this, but there was, um, I had heard two or three brothers that they all had the same concern at some point about something that was happening in the church. And I I felt that out of respect for the for the pastor that, that I shouldn't entertain a conversation without taking it to him and letting him know this is what I've this is a concern that I've heard and it wasn't that it wasn't that he was completely wrong um, in the situation I actually thought that he was right but because of the misunderstanding that could go around I thought felt like he was doing the right thing um, with the right motives um, but because there was concerns with the other brothers in the church I had a a very short brief phone call where I called and I said, this is a concern. This has been, I've heard a couple other brothers mention this concern and out of respect for you, hopefully I can say this respectfully, but I wanted to let you know what I've heard. And I never called the other brothers back and said, Hey, I talked to the pastor about this. That was it. It died right there. And the pastor was very, um, gracious and said, you know, I appreciate the phone call. And, um, and I think that that is a healthy way for us to be able to communicate with each other. We should have those checks and balances. Unfortunately, I've gone to church with people that talk to me over and over and over again about their grudges and about the leadership of the church, and they would never have the guts to go and talk to the pastor. Never would they sit down. And some of them are out of the church now. They're gone. Um, some of them are, you know, yeah, they're, they've moved on with their life. And, and, and there was times where I begged them, hey, let's go sit down and talk with the pastor. You know, this is your concern. Mm-hmm. And... And they had legitimate concern there. It wasn't like their concern was a bad thing. But it, if, if you let it go and you let it go and you let it go, either you just follow along and eventually you just sit there and you got this wall up in front of you during the service or or you end up with bitterness and you just you just leave. So I think that it's unhealthy to not say something. I think we should always, and of course, everybody knows I don't like to ignore the elephant in the room. I have no problem saying, hey, let's sit down and talk. You know, if, if there's a, an, an issue, let's sit down and talk face to face. And I've always had um, the I've always put the effort out to no matter who it is, if it's a church that I disagree with or another Christian that I disagree with, um, I, I will never say something about them behind their back that I would not say or haven't already said to their face. Or if I find myself mm-hmm. in a conversation with somebody where I have a concern or I find they have a concern and I agree with that concern. I'm not going to have that concern and not go and talk to that church or that pastor or that, you know, whoever that is, because I think that we should, we should have enough love to be able to speak the truth to each other. We can't, you can't really, it says to speak the truth and love. You can't really love without speaking truth. If you're going to mm-hmm. pretend to love somebody by, by keeping peace and not, and not speaking out when there's a big issue that you believe is wrong. But, and I think you have a thought and I'll just leave you with this as well. What is an example of, there's some issues that, the pastor could be wrong about and who cares? There's some as- mm-hmm. other issues that the pastor could be wrong about and it could be a big deal. Um, your pastor may, I'll, I'll just pull out one here that uh, a lot of people that are watching this right now, you're going to a church where your church has gone to the point where there's black and white scene issues in the <laughs> Bible that the church is embracing because they want to, the pastor has decided because of wanting to grow the church or not step on toes or be a people, please or whatever, tickle each ears. Like the Bible talks about, they've decided to embrace issues that are very clearly condemned in scripture and they won't speak out against it and you're sitting there and you're submitted to a pastor that is not embracing truth. So when is when do, when do you, when do you cross that line? I'll just I'll just mention a couple of issues. Say the pastor is allowing um, allowing people to sleep around in the church or single people that aren't married, he knows that they're, you know, sleeping together and he doesn't say anything about it or homosexuality or something like that. You know, big issues that are not popular to preach on these days. And, the, and uh, well, the, the pastor of our church um, mentioned uh, earlier, he said, why do pastors embrace wrong thinking? I think the, the reason for that oftentimes is they want they want that money in the offering plate. They don't want to reduce the numbers. If you all of a sudden start preaching against sin and you've got a bunch of sinners in your church, a lot of them are going to feel uncomfortable. They may walk out the door. And so if, you're, if your church has a big mortgage payment, you got to make that bill at the end of the month you're gonna you're gonna tickle itching ears maybe you know one of the one of the biggest donors in your church happens to be living in sin and you're gonna just pander to him and and dodge those issues so those would be issues where you know your pastor's wrong he's not dealing with clear black and white issues and you follow along and I think that's when somebody needs to say something you can't you can't just all sit there Sunday after Sunday and not say anything but it, I guess there's probably some other issues that you could you could bring up that would be black and white issues
0: okay so You know, this leads me down a couple of thoughts. So I'm going to answer a question that was brought up by Chris here. He said, uh, a kid that was raised in the church was baptized and grows up, realizes he does not fit in with their theology and will end up disagreeing with the leaders. What is he to do? Okay, well... uh, Honestly, this is my story. This is Caleb's story. This is the story of a lot of us where we grew up in a church. And when we grew up and, you know, became a teenager and started reading the Bible, we found out that we disagreed, you know, greatly with uh, the church that we were attending with our family. And at some point we stopped and we started the search with God to find a church that we felt was going to be good for us. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I, and people are going to hate this, <clears throat> or some people will, I don't see the term church split as a negative thing. I think a lot of times it's negative, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, someone leaving a church, I don't look at that as necessarily negative. A lot of times it is. And Caleb, you brought up some folks that had a disagreement with the pastor, didn't like something, but weren't willing to talk to the pastor about it. And they let it fester and it became a resentment. And then they left and they never said anything. What's unfortunate is that those people are going to be just as discontent in their next church because they're not even willing to give the guy the benefit of the doubt and sit down and talk and find out, oh, look at that. Silly me. I just misunderstood. Everything's fine. And they could still be in the same church and doing well. But someone that's not willing to even, you know, have a conversation about it, they're not going to be content anywhere. Okay. <clears throat> then I want to bring up this idea. There are two groups. We find them throughout history, those in the church, those groups are Puritans and separatists. There were groups that found out that the church that they were a part of was wildly off when it came to the clear teaching of the Bible. And they tried to change the church that they were in. These people were called the Puritans. Okay? They would try to purify the church that they disagreed with. Now, there is another group we can talk about that labeled themselves the Puritans. I'm not talking about that, okay? So they try to purify the church. They try to correct this, the, these wrongs. Uh, that always group, goes real well. <laughs> yeah, is also called dummies, okay? Because it has <laughs> never worked one time throughout the entire history of the church. Then you have groups called separatists, okay? They found that there were problems. They brought their grievances to the church leadership. They fell on deaf ears, and they left, and they started a church that they felt was going to be more in line with what God wanted them to do. That is always an option. There is nothing wrong with doing that. It's not as if you can't grow close to God in a small group separated from the church that you used to be a part of. The way you always want to handle it, though, like Caleb said, is with grace. For the kid that Chris brought up that's in a church that disagrees with it. If you need to leave and find a church that you believe is where God wants you, that's fine. But leave with respect and with grace and with consideration so that you can always come back and say, you know what? After searching around, I think God really wants me back here. And I believe that this is actually a better place than I did when I first left. I was concerned and God has spoken to me and I'm doing well. So you always want to, you know, you don't, you don't want to burn bridges. The only time you burn bridges is when God gets a hold of you. Okay. King Josiah burned bridges. Uh, uh, Elisha burned bridges. There are lots of great stories of burning bridges where they said, nope, never going back to that lifestyle, killing my livestock, burning the implements. I am no longer a farmer. I am following God great that's great but as far as with other christians we always want to be long-suffering we want to be graceful we want to be loving we want to part ways respectfully so that they can pray for us as we search for what god wants for us and we can always come back uh if we find out that we were wrong in the end but as far as leaving sometimes that's gonna happen. That's not the end of the world. And you gotta remember that is oftentimes healthy for any uh, subculture, for any society. It is oftentimes healthy for new people to come in and for old people to move out. I don't see anything wrong with that. As far as you know, issues that are really a problem, uh, the number one issue for me is salvation. Okay. If salvation is not clear, I'm not going there. I'm not staying there. I'm moving. I'm moving away. The, that is the number one issue in the whole Bible. Because at the end of this whole thing, if when we die, we don't go to heaven and we burn in hell forever, then who cares what else we were doctrinally right about? None of it matters salvation is the number one issue. Okay. So, so that is a bridge. I am, you know, a hill I am willing to die on, so to speak. Uh, You know, beyond that, there's a lot of stuff where I disagree. That's fine. I'm going to teach my family what I believe is correct. I'm going to hear some things that I think are, oh, uh, whatever, you know, ambiguous or soft or liberal or nonsensical or you know and it, i'm just gonna let it roll off my back and when my wife asked me about it on the drive home i'm gonna tell her well i disagree with that as well and this is what i think the bible says and this is why we do this you know but that doesn't mean that i don't love my pastor or my assistant pastor or, or you know the guy that was filling in or you know the preacher that was invited to speak or the missionary who got up and, and showed us whatsoever. You know, that's fine. They, every single person that takes the Bible and studies it and tries to get a word from God to share with other people, they have the legal right in America to be doctrinally wrong. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to destroy Christianity. If one sermon that you sat under was not correct. It's, re- it's really not the end of the world. If we're playing the odds, you're not going to remember it in two weeks anyhow. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I think
1: so. So it, if I can hop in here and disagree with you on something, that would be great.
0: Jump on in, man. Give it to me. Is this about chubby guys again?
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so I, I don't disagree that sometimes God can work through um, through us even even situations where we end up going separate ways. And if you look in the, in the early church that happened, there was definitely times where they disagreements, they went their separate ways. Um, I I think that that should always be saved for a last resort. And that part of, and and this is, this is, and I I could be wrong on this, but this is my opinion on it. I, I believe that God intends for all situations to be redeemed. And that should include your current church. And I don't think that going off and looking for a better church because you think your church isn't, you know, especially if you get to the point where you're like, oh, I I don't really like this or I don't like that here. And maybe there's some other place I can go start my own church or maybe there's another church that looks better there could be underlying issues in your life that God is trying to deal with that are actually part of the frustration that you're dealing with. Maybe, there, maybe there's some sin issues or there's some issues in your life that God is trying to change in you, but you can't address those issues because every time that this pastor speaks to you, all that you think is, oh, he's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong on this and that. And it becomes this issue where all of a sudden you're blind. You got these blinders on. So I, I always encourage people to stay there, grow where you're planted and and get what you can from it, and leave in peace. If 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 it gets to the point where you have to, because you can't agree, and I think there are times that you that you that it could get to this point where somebody literally cannot stay where they where they are. They cannot, in clear conscience, stay at their church because the church is embracing things that are unbiblical, unscriptural. And like Patrick said, there are there are big um, so there's salvation issues. There's big final issues in the Bible that are important. There's other issues that really aren't as that big of a deal. I mean, if if it gets to the point of you know how much you feel to be separate from the world or holiness in your life compared to somebody else in the church or the pastor. And you disagree on that or, um, and those can be big, hard deals to, to to deal with. But I think God wants us to learn to work together with our church, even when we disagree, it could be that your uh, pastor has a different view on end times prophecy or, you know, things like that, that we all could be wrong on and we'll just wait till we get there. and We'll find out, you know, as long as your salvation is sorted out, however, all that plays out in the end, you know, who cares? you know i i hear people argue post tribulation versus pre tribulation these types of things and it's like you know what we could sit there and split churches over things that we're probably all wrong on because we won't really know until we get there and who what does it matter but then there's other issues you know if 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 you're in a church where they really don't preach the gospel as far as who jesus was how can you be a follower of christ if if they're preaching a different gospel even when it gets to the point that you know they're wrong. In um, James, and of course, this is not my favorite book of the Bible again, but here we go. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Sometimes you need to go home and take a chill pill <laughs> and sleep on it. And a week later, you might realize, hey, I'm the one that was wrong. Or maybe he wasn't really, maybe he is wrong and it really doesn't matter. Maybe you do need to take it uh, before the church. I don't think that that silence is usually the right answer, I think that usually if you think the pastor's the problem in the church, you're probably the problem, and all the other lay members in the church that haven't been talking to the pastor and haven't been addressing these issues as they came up are really probably the problem, because if if we are half of the job there as far as keeping the church on track... Um, and we, we don't do our due diligence to actually study our Bible, know what the word of God says, and to be able to catch it when somebody's preaching something that goes against the Bible, then we're part of the problem. And pretty soon the, the pastor and the whole church gets led off into the left field. And, and then we have a, we, we end up with this big problem. So you may be there in your church, your church may be way off the rails and you're looking at it saying, okay, well, maybe it's so bad. I just need to up and leave. I would say before, before you get to that point, try your hardest. To it's going to be harder now than it would have been if, if everybody would have been doing their job all along and checking it against the word of God. If you look at, uh, is it Acts 17? Acts I think, Patrick, you mentioned this scripture before about the Bereans. Um, it says, and the, uh, well, where is but it? Those James.
0: Thessalonica, but those in Berea were more noble than those at Thessalonica in that they received the word with readiness of mind, but searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. If that's not verbatim, it's some, it's close. It
1: was pretty close. It was pretty close. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyways, that's what we should be doing. But if that's our job, if that is our job, as, as you're sitting there in the pew, you actually have a job to do. You really should be checking what the pastor says against the, against the Bible. Correct. And if he's off,
0: There's nothing if, wrong with that. That's your job.
1: If he's, he, if he's off on a little this or a little that, you don't really feel like it's that big of a deal, you can let it go. But when it gets to the point that you feel like he's just Sunday after Sunday, he's preaching things that don't line up with scripture and you don't say anything about it, then it's not really the pastor's fault. It's your fault because you should have been helping keep him on track. And so that's not easy. And a lot of us haven't done a good job of it. But just because it says to be slow to speak doesn't mean that we shouldn't speak. I think that we should speak. We should be willing to, even though it's going to be a, awkward conversation. A lot of times I think that we are more scared going into the conversation. It can be a huge deal in our mind. It can turn into this mountain. If we would have just sat down and talked with them, it could have been over in two minutes. You know, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. And they might be able to, many of them might have been more than happy to to humble themselves and say, yes, let's look at the Bible and, and I'll consider this. They don't have to change their mind. The Bible says if you receive an accusation against an elder by two or three people and you go to them, it doesn't say that you have to win the argument. You don't have to, you express your concern and that's it. You don't have to win the argument. You don't have to prove that you're right and that they're wrong. You express your concern and that's it. You're not, you're not somehow now uh, over the pastor. It should still be God and you should still be listening to the pastor and, and honoring him and treating him with respect, but you take those concerns to him. And if we really did that as churches the way that we should, I really think that our churches would look different. Our pastors would be stronger. They would be more well-versed in the Bible. They would, be, they would also have a lot more incentive to not go off in left field because we would be challenging them. But too many times, it either doesn't happen or when it does happen, it's, it happens all in the wrong order, the wrong way. And I really think that oftentimes pastors get to the point where they are high-minded And it's if if one person comes to them and they think, oh, the majority of the church is going to agree with what I say, they're going to dismiss everything that you have to say and bring to them because you're just the one odd duck. You're the one rebel. You're the one guy that's making problems. But if you would have first been prayerful, considered it, checked it with some of the brethren in the church, and then you go, it it introduces a totally different level of accountability. And that happens to your pastor five or six times. And he's probably gonna be on guard a little bit more to not not go off and start preaching, you know, stuff that he just pulls out of thin air. Anyways, I'll let you take it from there for a minute.
0: Well, you you made a point and I wanted to expound on it, and you said something about if you have convictions about holiness and the way that you and your family live your life and separation. And I wanted to bring up a point. If your pastor disagrees about the lines that you have drawn and the level of separation and holiness you live, there's not a problem there. Because the question is is there anything at the church that is prohibiting me from living out my convictions? And my pastor believing differently does not stop me from living out my convictions with my family, as far as I believe God set them out in the Bible. Every single person in my church can believe differently from me, but they're not stopping me from living my life the way that I believe God wants me to. Now, if they try to do that, and if the church starts to do that, then that's clearly a problem. But disagreeing about something doesn't mean that you cannot live your life the way you believe the Bible tells you to do so. Simply because, you know, you disagree with some, some people. <clears throat> One of the greatest lessons I learned in Christianity is that not everyone has to be like Patrick Hayes. Not everyone has to believe like me. Not everyone has to think like me. And, and that's a good thing for all of you. It's the same with our pastor. Not everyone has to believe the same way they do. We don't all have to think the the same way uh, they do. And I look at that as a great thing. I don't don't see everyone in our local church believing the same way as a good, strong, healthy uh, idea. I see that as an echo chamber. I see that as the fastest way to get off track and go into Looney Tunes town, just off the rails and into the fields. If everyone has to believe the same way, that's a mess. That's a nightmare. Okay. We have lots of people that believe different things at my church. Personally, I have to go everywhere in my life and believe lots of things differently than everyone else I come into contact with. And I have to be comfortable with that. That's fine. There's no, that's there's nothing wrong with that. It makes me stronger. I'm reminded about one Supreme Court justice and I cannot remember their name so please don't test me if I can remember it I'll put it in the comments later. But they were a very conservative Supreme Court justice and they would only hire the most liberal clerks to work for them that they could find. I mean they believed the exact opposite. And the reason they did that was because they always wanted to hear strong arguments against their position. So they would be challenged so that they would make good decisions. Because if I surround myself with a whole bunch of Christians that believe exactly like I do, then it becomes an echo chamber and everything you say, I believe and everything I say, you believe. And it, You know, it's very easy for us to get lethargic. We are not checking ourselves. We are not getting into the Bible to to try to find out and prove why these people are wrong. Keep in mind, personally, okay, I don't like find this stuff as ammo and go to them next Sunday and start thumping them with my Bible. Okay, but I go home when I have to hear a dis- something that I think is ridiculous from some other Christian in a conversation. I'm like, "Yeah, that's ridiculous," and I go home and I'm like, "Okay, where, where is this? I'm going to find this in the Bible," and that's that's a great way to get me in my Bible and get me familiar with the Word of God. We are out of time, Caleb. Do you have any final thoughts? I don't know if we helped anyone or not, but I certainly had fun.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how, how fast an hour goes by on, on here. I guess, we, I guess we did learn we can go over an hour. We're now six minutes past. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that um, I think we pretty much said what, what I had to say on here tonight. There, you could go on with a, a lot of different scenarios. I, uh, part of the reason this is something that I, that I am passionate about is because I have personally experienced doing this the wrong way. I don't know that I've ever gone to a pastor with the concern the wrong way um out of order biblically but I have not gone to the pastor when I had concerns and um I am I have never been in a church setting where um where I have moved on and I don't talk to people I it's one thing I've I've always wanted to try to keep as a, as an open uh, an openness in my in my life where I realize Jesus could come tomorrow and I'm going to have to spend eternity with these guys I might as well figure out how to get along here and I'm, I, there's no reason to bicker and, and get to the point that I'm cutting off relationship with people over over nonsense. So, and I, I've tried to make an effort to stay connected with and not to have any enemies anywhere and to try to stay connected with people, even if I frankly don't agree with them or, or like them. I think that it's healthy for us to not go around just burning bridges and making enemies wherever we go. But I came close. I came close at one point And the whole reason was because I had let things fester in my mind where there was so much that I disagreed with. And it was a bit of a process of me sitting down with the pastor and talking with him a few times before I was able to get through some of, some of it. And, and and I've experienced that becoming this mountain in your mind. And if I would have gone to the pastor sooner and said, I'm concerned about this, he would have known where I was at. I could have got it off my chest and moved on to the next concern. Instead, by the time that you go to the pastor, you finally have so many concerns on your head, in your mind that you just, it's this overbearing situation, almost this insurmountable thing. So I, my my reason for for doing this isn't just to say hey we need to hold pastors accountable and, and and keep keep the leadership of our churches in check but it also protects our us as the lay members of a church when we when we can do this and it, it keeps Satan from getting in and, and having the stronghold where we next thing we know we're bitter against the whole church and we and we often leave and, and, and there's division. So I, I, guess in my opinion, it should always be done in humility, grace, but it has to be done and you're the one that needs to do it. Don't assume that somebody else is going to do it. Don't wait 10 years to do it when it comes up and you think that there's, that there's a problem that, that really warrants being addressed, address the issue, do it in love, search the scriptures. And there's plenty more scriptures that talk about this than just, than just you know, the ones that I've mentioned here. But I think that there's, there is, there's a lot of scriptures that can be used by ministry in church also that really don't apply, where they can railroad you into thinking that if you were to ever raise a hand against the Lord's anointed, there's, you know, <laughs> you have David and Saul. Saul decided not to kill, or David decided not to kill Saul because he knew that God had anointed Saul. Well, if you take that and say, well, you cannot raise your hand and touch the Lord's anointed because we're the anointed of God, all of a sudden you have a situation where you're applying somebody that chose not to kill somebody (laughs) to you just trying to say, Hey, I think that you're off the rails here. You know, there's, that's, that's different. And that's taken way out of context. And I, and I've heard of um, especially bigger, more well-organized churches. Say you go to a church that has a, like a nationwide or international presence where there's going to be headquarters somewhere. You go to your pastor and you express a concern about the way that the church does things doctrinally. You're really barking up the wrong tree because he doesn't make the call. He, he submitted to a, um, an organization or a, um, uh, an association of, of other churches that have a, a headquarters somewhere, maybe even some far off land, other country, and you going and talking to the pastor about the fact that you believe the church is wrong. You may you may get nowhere, but I think that you still should do it before you leave. Even if it gets to the point that you feel like the church is wrong, we're embracing sin, we're not preaching God's word. Um, there's there are some final issues that I think really can make or break whether or not it's e- if your church doesn't believe that Jesus is God, if your church doesn't believe that the Bible is the word of God, if if your church doesn't believe that salvation comes through Jesus, you know, there's some of these issues that are really big core issues and when it gets off of that and pretty soon now your salvation comes through through the church or through the you know the the prophet or the apostle or the spokesperson of god or you know whatever the the church gets off on um you know the i'm not trying to call out churches here but i mean if you look at some of the more some of the bigger more well-organized churches this is what happens in them i mean if you're a part of of a big church that's 70% of, or 30% of Christianity is part of this denomination, it's likely that your voice way down the totem pole is going to make no difference with what that church believes. And so that's a good example of a time where you probably should still voice your concern. You should bring your accusation against the elders. And if the church won't change, you may need to leave and you may need to move on. So I don't disagree with you, Patrick, that I think there is a time and a place for that. Um, if the church, there are pastors that are, that are the blind leading the blind. There are pastors out there that are, are, uh, Wolves in sheep's clothing, and, and the Bible is clear about some of those people. Some of them were supposed to have nothing to do with them. There's past pastors that are false prophets. Um, I still think, in that case, you still need to bring your concern to the pastor and let them know. Have enough respect and honor for your pastor that you're going to let them know why you're leaving before you leave, and then go. If you if if you can't if you can't make peace and you can't serve God there and raise your family there in a way that you believe honors God, then yeah, absolutely. There's there is a time and a place to move on, but I would save it for last resort. So that's I guess hopefully in a nutshell, what I believe on the issue. I think it's very important and uh, read about it. So,
0: Okay, well said. I'm going to hit the stop button. We'll catch you next week. And we're going to talk about how does the Old Testament fit in with the New Testament? And uh, you're, you're definitely going to want to tune in for this one. I certainly have mm-hmm. strong beliefs about this. Um, Caleb doesn't seem to have strong beliefs about anything, but that's why we love him. And uh, we're going to get into it and there'll be, uh, if nothing else, it'll be thought provoking and it'll get you to question some things in the Bible. I think it'll be a whole lot of fun. Caleb, thank you for joining us every week. I always have fun doing this. Uh, I'm happy uh, happy
1: to be your (laughs) co-host.
0: Okay, we'll see you next week. Sidekick
1: alongside the main host here. Yeah, (laughs) y'all
0: have a good weekend. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom to you, Patrick.